Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of A Yank and a Swede, a Premier League podcast. I'm your Swede, Sebastian Noren, with me, your Yank, Elliot Niblock. Hello, Elliot. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. It's been... uh... You know, combination of other playoffs and just coming thick and fast, and I'm here at uh, UVA in also the thick of finals. But we've got a whole lot happening in the world of football, and I think arguably one of the most exciting semifinal seasons in uh, European club football, certainly recent history. I think you'd say all history. I mean, it's been a cracker of a week. Yes, absolutely. Let's uh, jump right into it here with the Champions League first and foremost. So, last week you had Ajax taking a 1-0 win over Spurs. And then you had Barcelona taking a 3-0 win over Liverpool. You thought, hmm, maybe both of these teams will advance. Ha! Liverpool comes back first on Tuesday 4-0 4-0 win over Barcelona. Then yesterday, Wednesday, Spurs pull out a 3-2 win over Ajax and wins on away goals. Well, I mean, and I think that the uh, the, the most remarkable about this is the Liverpool comeback with the squad that they fielded as well, right? I mean, like you, if you'd told me that Divock Origi and Jorginho Wijnaldum were going to fire Liverpool into the Champions League final at the beginning of the season, I would have said you're totally crazy. <laughs> I would have been more likely to say, yeah, actually, they're candidates for being sold in January above anything else. Yep. No, that's true. Origi with two goals in the 4 nothing win there. Cheeky little corner kick, too. Oh, that was – I love that. I, I love that. I mean, that's just like – you know, we talk we talk a lot about the genius of Klopp and so much of it is his personality. But, I mean, that was a little bit from the training ground that worked a treat. And you know what? Worst case scenario, it doesn't come off. It's probably going to be another corner. So yeah. I think it's uh, – I think that was uh, a nice little bit of magic. And it's it's incredible because we also often talk about how – yeah, okay, those things, like those kind of trick plays, they might work on, like, in the schoolyard or on Sunday five aside, but you're never going to be able to play them at the top level. (laughs) Well, here we have Barcelona in the Champions League semifinal conceding a goal in exactly that kind of setup. So hats off to the Reds. Yeah, no, I mean, incredible, incredible comeback there. I mean, there's not too many teams that has done that against the Barcelona side in uh, recent history so um yeah all you can do is tip your cap to liverpool even though it pains me to do so uh well and, it'll and pain then, me to pains then, me for the yeah, other one <laughs> yeah we'll get to that one but i mean and just like you said i mean origi with two goals vilnaldum with two goals uh you know and i cover a lot of hockey for those of you who might not know this and often you talk about secondary scoring and yeah, Liverpool got that secondary scoring here from, you know, some role players. 
because um, when you think about Liverpool and scoring goals, those are usually not the two first names you think about. No, absolutely not. I mean, we talk all the time about how they have this amazing front three, but we've also talked frequently down the course of the season how that front three lacking, you know, where else are the goals going to come from? Where else are the goals going to come from? And uh, James boy, Milner in the penalty spot. Yeah, that's pretty much been it, right? Yeah. And and like the dearth of goals from midfield is something that Liverpool have struggled with all season and, you know, won all them to have a quick fire brace with a couple of goals in the span of a few minutes. I mean, this was this is dreamland for Liverpool, right? And uh, given the the ignominious uh, ex- exit from last year's final with the carious Armageddon that they faced, uh, I, I'm, I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. Yep. Uh, let's move over to the Spurs game. Um, I'm not or... happy for them. I'm not happy for them. No, I know you're not. Uh, <laughs> But still, I mean, it's also a um, cracking game. Uh, Lucas Mora with a hat trick and completed it to send Spurs through deep, deep into stoppage time. Yeah, no, I mean the last kick of the ball. It was, uh, I and I do as as much as I you know kind of kidding, but not really about being frustrated about this. From an Arsenal perspective, of course one would be, you know, it's their rival. You never want to see them do good. I'm sure that all of those Spurs fans who were thrilled yesterday were cheering against uh, the Gunners today. That's, you know, the nature of rivalries, right? Uh, But it was an amazing match from start to finish. Uh, You know, Ajax dominated the first half. And speaking of kind of the the masterclass of Jurgen Klopp, in terms of the cheeky training ground bit on the corner kick, Pochettino got the substitution right. He got it absolutely right. And the second half was a totally different story. Uh, I think Ziyech will be really ruining a couple of chances that he missed, one that flashed wide and one that hit the post that really would have put the game to bed. Um, But they kind of showed their age, right? You know, that's been the story of this Ajax team is the – the set of wunderkinds, the Diong, the Delict, the the ability for them to come together and play above themselves at their best. And you saw that in the first half, and then you really saw them fall to pieces in the second. And whereas I think that you really and again, I don't want to put too much pressure on this and take too much away from Tottenham, but you really have to say that Liverpool Liverpool deserve I would say pretty much all the credit for beating Barcelona. Ajax really did collapse a bit in this one, um, and their their last ditch defending at the end was anything but secure. And you know the ball bouncing around to Lucas Mora in the area, uh, they got punished for it. So uh, credit to credit to Spurs heading to Madrid. Yep, yeah, the final will be played at the Wanda Metropolitano in Madrid, home of Atletico, on. Uh, June 1st kickoff at 3 p.m. Eastern time so uh, interesting stuff there I do feel for Ajax uh, a lot of youngsters there I'm I'm wondering too how many of these guys are going to be back well that's the other thing is that from a neutral point of view is that it's just so it's so heartbreaking um, because Although Spurs will never be, and this is not merely from an Arsenal perspective, Arsenal will also never be either 
until they get bought out on the one hand, the oil billion fueled juggernauts of a Manchester City or a Chelsea, or on the other, the kind of long-standing heritage club of Manchester United and Liverpool. Now, of course, you know, I'm sure that many of my fellow Gooners are now going to throw their arms up and say, what are you talking about? We have tons of history, of course, of course. But uh, but I think that in terms of the war chests that those four clubs have at their disposal, at the moment, Arsenal and Tottenham are always going to be looking on the outside up. But that said... They're both in a better position to hang on to their players, and in this case, Spurs over and against Ajax, you know, because there's even like De Jong is already signed for Barcelona, right? And De Ligt, I, I, I don't think. I mean, you're the the silly season guru here. As far as I know, he still hasn't signed for anyone, but I cannot imagine he's going to be playing for Ajax next season. No, someone's gonna come in and and buy him out i mean it's not going to be cheap but someone's going to pay that price and then they're going to have a phenomenal center back for many many years to come yeah he's gonna he is going to smash maybe not by you know more than 10 or 20 million but he will be more expensive than virgil van dyke Uh, i would assume so yeah i mean i think he could be the first hundred million defender Mm -hmm. maybe I, I don't think it's I don't think that that's I, I don't think that that is unreasonable uh, for a player of this quality in this kind of position and we've talked about this not only this season but last year as well like the you know the remarkable kind of lack of center halves of truly world class center halves in the game yep. and he's clearly world class. And he's not even yet 20. I mean, no, I mean, he turns 20 over the summer here. But, like, I mean, really, even let's say you pay 100 mil um, for him. I mean, if you look at that and then let's say you have him for 10 plus years, that's not a bad investment. Yeah, but realistically, the only sides that are going to be able to hang on to a player like that for 10 plus years would be Real Madrid. FC Barcelona, maybe Manchester United or a Liverpool if they can kind of build into their glory days again. Yeah, I think um, a Liverpool, Man City, uh, like you said, United, definitely up there with Barcelona and Manchester or Barcelona and Real Madrid. Juventus might be another club that could do that. Um, but yeah, it's going to be one of the big, big sides in Europe that's going to you know, they're the only ones that can afford him, really. Yeah. And I think once you sign him, yeah, you you could possibly hang on to him for a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at it that way, you spread it out, $10 million a year, that's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. I've just, I've kind of got a hunch that he's going to end up at the Bernabeu. I'm not, I don't know why, but that's just, that's just my feeling. Well, yeah, we'll see. Although maybe the Johan Cruyff connection will send him to Barca instead. Uh, I mean, really, I want United to buy a central defender, and I just <clears throat> splash the cash on this kid. Play Dude, him. I want Arsenal to play, buy a whole new back line. Play him and Lindelof, and we'll be we'll be good for a while. Uh, I was also looking up Stan Kroenke and what he actually made his money from. Uh, looks oh. like he married a Walmart heiress 
mm-hmm. in the 70s. And then uh, in the early to mid 80s, he started a real estate development firm. So, uh, yeah, there you, you go. That married re- into that money. That, that married in and real estate money. That's what Arsenal, that's what they got. Well, I will be firmly, for a lot of reasons, cheering for the Portland Trailblazers because, Stan, I hope your Denver Nuggets go to hell. I will cheer against every other team you own until you actually invest in this goddamn side. There you go. Well, speaking of Kroenke on one of his sides, Europa League. Arsenal, they uh, took a 3-1 win over Valencia in the first leg. And then a 4-2 win in the second leg here today, as we record this on Thursday. Uh, Chelsea got a 1-1 draw in the first leg against Eintracht Frankfurt. And then it was 1-1 again after 90 minutes and extra time. So it had to be decided on penalties. Well, and after two, two goal line clearances by the Chelsea defense in extra time. I mean, boy, they... They really got let off. And, in fact, also the Chelsea were the first team to have a penalty saved in the shootout as well. So uh, yet another big last-minute, last-ditch sigh of relief for uh, London side. Um, now, let, before we get into kind of looking ahead to the finals themselves, uh, looking at the you know these ties, I think that Chelsea were... Head and shoulders, the favorites to win this game, but they really struggled, you know. Yeah. And I think that we gotta give a, a ton of credit to Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, I mean, they will, they might not be quite as gutted as Ajax with these young starlets destined for departure to a bigger club. But that said, you know, they were really on the the threshold of an unprecedented Europa League final for them, and that would have been. A huge day. Uh, so, you know, some condolences there as well. Uh, oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, they still had, you can't really, for a club of their size, you can't really be like, oh, we only made it to the semifinal. <laughs> it's still one hell of an accomplishment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, not only to make it to the semifinal, but to force extra time and penalties against a Chelsea side who, I tell you what, when Hazard leaves this summer, which Hazard's going to leave this summer, his transfer fee will probably be roughly the entire Eintracht Frankfurt squad, right? I mean, I don't think that that's hyperbole. Uh, um, probably not. I mean, you don't think so? I think no, no, no. It, I mean, it's not, it's not unreasonable at all. Uh, let me see if I can find real quick how much. Uh, I mean, if not, yeah, maybe I shouldn't say the whole squad, but the okay, you know the so, outfield, the outfield ten, if not the starting yeah, eleven. I was going to say the total market value is two hundred and thirty-five point five three million pounds. Ah, okay, that's. Uh, I'll eat my words on that then. I mean, that's he's probably worth only. Half of their entire squad. Yeah, which is still a lot. Uh, and, you know, if we, we don't necessarily have the time to do this on air, but if we break it down to the starting 11, it might be, you know, still 70, 80% of that starting 11. But in any case, hats well, I mean, off. I mean, really, you could take, let's just do this real quick. 
market value. This is through uh, transfer market. Uh, you got their top five here. Luka Jovic, 49.5. Sebastian Haller, 36. Ante Rebic, 31.5. Evan Indica, 19.8. And Filip Kostic, 13.5. So, I mean, he'll he'll be worth more than their top five together. Yeah, uh, unsurprising. And, I mean, you know, we could, we could keep doing this kind of numbers game to add, you know, throw in... Iguain and Azpilicueta, then suddenly you've got the majority of the squad. Anyway, the point being, Eintracht Frankfurt played their hearts out. They punched above their weight, so they came up just short, but they deserve a lot of credit. Yep. Um, and then for the, the Arsenal match, a bit of nerves as Arsenal, unsurprisingly, were shaky at the back, conceded first in just the 11th minute. Um, but... The, the the tie wasn't was far from over at that point, but it really turned on an absolutely world class finish from Aubameyang, who ended up ultimately getting a hat trick on the night, yeah. and it was it was truly deserved. You know, he and Lacazette, the, and this is the most frustrating thing from an Arsenal standpoint, is that I think that we have the best strike partnership at Arsenal. I mean, I it's a big, big, big shoes to fill. But you might even say since a Bergkamp on read, right? Yeah, I I think it's true though. I mean, I mean since we, yes, I wouldn't put them on their level right now. But no, yeah. Uh, but I mean, since then, it's the be- it's the best since then. Yes, and. I think that we are the best goal-scoring force that we've been since Robin Van Persie left, right? And yep. the the fragility in midfield and, you know, fragility doesn't even begin to describe it, the terrible house of cards in a windstorm that we are in the back line is that much more frustrating given how frequently Aubameyang and Lacazette proved that they are both world-class. And I think that Aubameyang came into the squad with pretty much a consensus that, yeah, he's a world-class forward. He might be nearing the end of his career, but he's a world-class forward. But I think that we have to put Lacazette up there as well. His finish today was certainly that, you know, great strength to stay on the ball, great technique to turn and hit it first time after being able to control it and keep the defender at bay. And, as frustrating as last week in the Premier League was from an Arsenal perspective, you know, he also displayed the same kind of phenomenal qualities. I mean, he very nearly, very nearly changed that game. And who do we look at for the collapse of that game? It's not, it's not the men leading the line. And they can lead that line as well as just about anyone in the Premier League. But they need support from the back. And again, I'm looking at you, Stan Kroenke. I hope your nuggets choke. Well, it's a far, you know, since we're talking about the phenomenal striking partnership of Henri and Burkamp, I mean, that back four is a shadow of Cole, Campbell, Touré, and Lauren from the events. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, not even a shadow. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, they could, you know, they could both be put under some spell where they have a doppelganger and it's a back eight and they still might not do as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just, and, and it was not, 
it was not an exaggeration when I said earlier that I do think that Arsenal need to rebuild pretty much their entire back line. Hector Bellerid is out injured. I think that he has a place in the squad. Nacho Monreal, I rate very highly. Kolasinac, I rate very highly. But I think that they are both squad players. Yeah. And I don't... And we're just... We're, we're aging. And the players we have who aren't aging... Along the back line, it's pretty much just Hector Bellerin, Kolasinac, and Mustafi. Bellerin I've already spoken of. I think that he's got a place. Kolasinac is a wingback who's always going to be fragile in terms of his defending at times. And he's not even that great going forward. He can be, but if he's lacking confidence, he's not phenomenal. His crosses are often wayward. And then Mustafi... Uh, if we get a tenth of what we bought him for, we'll be lucky. Yeah. And then you got Big Papa. Well, yeah, again, but like aging defenders, right? Socrates is a good squad player. He's a good squad player. Koscielny in his prime was one of the best center halves in the Premier League. But he's not in his prime anymore. I mean, I it, like, it kills me to say it. Like, he's only a couple months older than me. But that's... Yeah, yeah. That's just the case. Like we need, we need world class defenders in their early mid twenties, not in their early mid thirties. That's just the way that the squad needs to be rebuilt. And then you want to put Mustafi on a nuclear missile and send it up into the sky? I'm assuming. Not that bad. I mean, <laughs> like at least give him a hermitage in the Benedictine monastery. You know, like again, we can we can have him be fed, but we you know maybe want a vow of silence. How about you bring him to Baku for the final? So the final is being played in Baku, Azerbaijan, on May twenty fifth. Uh, just push a boat out, and, and I mean, just just leave him there. <laughs> be like, okay, you're playing in Baku now. Oh gosh. Boy, that kickoff time is going to be brutal for the United States, too. When is the kickoff time? The kickoff time is 7 a.m. Eastern. 7 a.m. Eastern. <laughs> uh, and this is a cup final. This is a European cup final. I'm going to be in Berlin at the time, so I'm actually going to be able to see it in the middle of the day. But still, it's going to be strange. Yeah. I mean, at least it's. I should say it's on May 29th, not 25th. Um yeah. yeah, it's practically. I think it actually might be the same time zone. It's a Saturday, right? In Iran? No, it's midweek. It's really? midweek. It's a Wednesday. Yeah, it's Wednesday at seven a.m. Woohoo! Yeah, gross. That is gross. Why would you not put it on a weekend? Because I don't know. UEFA is stupid. Um, the. I mean, you're still going to get... I mean, there's still going to be a lot of fans traveling there. Don't get me wrong. They're going to sell out, but... I mean, I can I consider... Because I'm going to be in Germany already. I consider going, and it's like, oh, wow, that's extremely expensive. And no, no, I'm not going to do it. Yep. But I guarantee you I will be at an Arsenal pub in Berlin at Cause noon. Because I feel like it, it's definitely... It's definitely a uh, you could make a case for putting those on a on a Saturday instead, uh, just for traveling supporters' sake. There's, there's no I mean, basically, basically now you got to take what three days off of work. Yeah, I mean, I know you get more vacation in Europe than you do here in the states. Well, uh, yeah, you know better than most of us. Said. Yeah, <laughs> God forbid you take more than one week here. Uh, 
but I, I still, it is, it, it baffles me. Um, I mean, and it's, it, it, the, the game is, the game is governed by those who do not really care about the supporters, except for that they are the cash cows who can be milked. And, you know, that might be cynical, but it's also just the case. Yeah. Yep. Oh, very, very true. Okay, let's uh, change our focus here and take a look at what will be the last day of games in the Premier League. Match week 28, or 38, sorry, not 28. I wish it was 28 because that will still mean that Man United had hope for a top four finish. (laughs) But it's 38 and they cannot reach the top four finish. uh, As the best they can do is uh, fifth. I mean, Arsenal can, however, only mathematically, and it would take uh, it would take a miracle. Uh, let's see. Yes, so we should start off by saying that all games will be played at 10 a.m. Eastern on Sunday. So uh, on Mother's Day here in the U.S., uh, 10 a.m. And like you said, let's start with your Arsenal. Uh, they will travel to Burnley. And they need a big, big win. Uh, as right now, they're eight goals behind Spurs. So, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. I mean, we would need to. We would have to win by five. They would have to lose by three. Yeah, it's eh. Spurs. They play at home against Everton. I mean, you could win by five against Burnley, who have it's... absolutely nothing to play for. You know. Arsenal, who who did they play last week? Yeah, Brighton. They played the Gulls at home. Who had nothing to play for? Brighton. Who had everything to play for in front of their home fans? The last game, a game, in, a farewell game. Granted, he was injured and not on the pitch. Would he have been on the pitch? My God, for Aaron Ramsey, and they couldn't get up for it. They couldn't get up for it. They had everything to play for, and now they have nothing to play for. And so now they'll probably win 4-0 and Tottenham will eke out a 1-1 draw. Or maybe Tottenham will lose 2-0. And that still won't be enough. And I mean, this is I'm, – this is, I'm just – I am furious because I don't know if it is – like it has to be partially a problem with the players. And I, I don't want to put too much burden on Emery's shoulders because this is a squad he has mostly inherited. But this is a serious problem. Like, we have collapsed egregiously. And I hope that we win the Europa League final. I'm thrilled that we're in the Europa League final. But, like, that was, like, the the collapse that Arsenal have gone through in the end of April has been pathetic. And I think that there are some characters who just need to not be in the squad. And I'm going to say it right now. This is a preview for your silly season. We have to sell Mesut Ozil. I do not care. Okay. He need, he needs to be gone. Like he is he is not a leader of men. No. I am sorry. Like Delete is not even twenty, and he is a leader of men more than Mesut Ozil has ever been or ever will be. Yep. And he's got to be gone. And it's and like even if you're not in the team, like if you're in the the bench, but personalities like that poison a locker room. And when you look at the guy with the biggest wage, like taking the most out of the bottom line, and you say, I want to be like him, 
and he acts the way Mesut Ertzel did when he got taken off today in the 60th minute in a game in which your team is winning? And he's an impetuous little bitch about it. And I'm sorry. He is exactly that. And I know that he's played at Valencia before. Like, he used to play in La Liga, and they've given him a lot of shtick down the years, I am sure. But you know what? Like, his body language, when he came off in a game in which his team was winning a crucial game, he, he's, the, he's the impetuous starlet. He's the prima donna, and he's got to be gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've had a couple of interesting weeks here where uh, Manchester City and Liverpool, they've been rolling like the trains they are. But Chelsea have lost points. Spurs have lost points. Arsenal and Manchester United. Nobody wants it, it seems. I Nobody mean, wants it. I mean, really, you know, you got, uh, so Chelsea, their last four games, loss, draw, draw, win. Spurs, loss, win, loss, loss. Arsenal, loss, 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 draw. United, loss, loss, draw, draw. Yeah, it's abysmal form across the board, but this is the kind of, the opening door that, a team with any kind of mental discipline in the position that Arsenal was five weeks ago should have seized, you know? I mean, it it, it is infuriating. And, I, and Mesut Ozil isn't the only problem. Like, he's an unfair scapegoat. But it is not unfair to say that this Arsenal side, and I think you can make the argument for the other teams in this conversation, uh, the United and to some degree, Spurs and Chelsea as well, though certainly Lucas led from the front recently. But these teams, you know, you lack you lack the presence to to lift you when, like, when you need that. I mean, yeah. look at Liverpool; they've lost one match all year in the Premier League, yeah. one game. I, it's it's remarkable, and and we'll you know we'll touch more as we look forward to the title race in a moment but uh it it shows a a lack of mental discipline and obviously i'm more familiar with arsenal's dressing room than any others (laughs) not as though i've stepped foot in it when anybody else was in there but it's a it's obviously a scenario in which you say okay either the manager has to go or some key players have to go because Nobody is taking up a leadership role here, and the manager just arrived. I think key players have to go. I want to see Mesut Ozil and Henrik Mkhitaryan out of the squad. Yeah. Uh, understandable. Very, very understandable. Uh, yeah, like you said, Liverpool only lost one game so far this season. They will play at home against Wolverhampton, and Manchester City travel to Brighton, who have nothing to play for now. They're safe. Yep. Uh, well, Huddersfield, Fulham, and Cardiff will go down. Yeah. Uh, do you think that? Do you think that Liverpool have any chance? Of course, they have a chance, but yeah. I mean, they've got the more di- the, even though they're at home, they've got the more difficult of the two fixtures. Yeah, they do uh, absolutely. Wolverhampton coming in with three straight wins. Um, I mean, it's hard to see any of these teams drop points. I mean, really, Manchester City right now, 95 points. 
a plus 69 goal differential. Liverpool, 94 points, plus 65 goal differential. It's just mm-hmm. so impressive what these two teams have done. They're head and shoulders above everyone else as Chelsea in third with 71 plus 24. Spurs fourth, 70 points, plus 28. Um, I mean, I, most likely both teams will win. It will be a heartbreak for Liverpool. Man City, you know, celebrate again. Yeah, uh, although the broken hearts at Anfield will certainly be somewhat assuaged by the <laughs> the dramatic victory that they saw at midweek. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, it just sucks. I mean, finishing with potentially then 97 points and you don't win. You lose one game all season and you don't win the league. Of course, that's got to sting like a... You know, yeah, like, of course. Yeah. Of course. Uh, but at the same time, they still have the chance of you know potentially winning the Champions League, which would be a nice little uh, band-aid. Yeah, which God. is funny too because I think Liverpool would. I, I mean, it's hard to say without asking fans, but I feel like Liverpool fans might rather win the league. Man City fans would probably rather win the Champions League. Yeah, well, that's because Liverpool's a club with history, and City are plastic. So, uh, yeah, pretty pretty interesting stuff there. Uh, we're going to wrap things up. We'll be back after the weekend and we'll discuss the season as a whole. We'll take a look at you know, what teams have won promotion, what teams are uh, going up in the playoffs in the championship, um, and much, much more. Maybe a little silly season preview, too. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? Uh, until then, be sure to follow us on social media. On Twitter, I'm Seb Norin. Elliot is Keats was better. Give one Yank, one Sweet a follow as well. And we'll talk to you again next week. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.